Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the She Ventures Now podcast. I am your host, Scan Nicole. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jalon Martz. Jalon is a mental health professional, blogger, and founder of GIVE Coaching from Jacksonville, Florida. She's also a regular voice for the beautiful community, an online wellspring of hope and encouragement for women of all ages and backgrounds. Jalon is passionate about women finding their voices and purposes and going relentlessly in the direction of their calling. As you all know, this season of the podcast, I'm tackling singleness. And what I've been doing is hosting interviews um, in my own time uh, with other young professional women who are millennials who've been single for quite some time. Jalon Martz comes to us as one of those women. And I had the pleasure of interviewing her and getting her perspective and her journey, her aha moments to share with you. So enjoy. All right, perfect. And we are live. So, Jalon, thank you so much for again taking the time out of your work schedule to be interviewed for my podcast, SheVenturesNow.com, and the course material I'm preparing called The Secure Single Woman. Um, would you mind just giving a quick um, background and introduction of yourself and what you do professionally? Of course, sure. So um, my name is Jalon uh, Martz. I am, by training, a mental health professional counselor. Um, I find myself teaching in and out every a couple of years or so, um, high school and um, middle schoolers. Um, my passions, however, are women. I'm very passionate about encouraging and supporting women, and that's kind of been the focus of my studies and my life, really. So um, right now, I am a regular voice on the beautiful community on Facebook. It's a group uh, where women can find encouragement, empowerment, you know, pointing to Jesus from all backgrounds and walks of life. Um, I also um, do coaching, coaching specifically for women. Um, to help them sort of mine out what it is God has put on the inside of them to be and to do. Um, and I blog. So um, at JoanMarch.com, I tackle a, a plethora of issues from identity in Jesus to singleness on occasion, social justice, and the like. So I've got my hands pretty full. <laughs> Perfect. And that's so awesome to know that you're a contributor to Beautiful Community and have your blog and you're a coach. Um, make sure to um, remind or say at the end again where you are online because I definitely want to refer women to your resources, all right? Okay, we'll do. So, uh, just before we get things started, go ahead and tell me or tell us uh, what made you interested in being interviewed on the topic of singleness. Um, before I started the interview, I know I mentioned to you that I that one of the things that I'm noticing is uh, it is it is sort of difficult to talk about singleness, and, and not everyone is forthcoming about that journey, right? So go ahead right. and tell us what makes you open to talking about it. Um, so I am one of those weird people. I have a heart for uncomfortable truth, and I'm always kind of interested in, like, where we live our lives and helping people do that skillfully. Um, so uh, for me, singleness has been a major sort of um, – 
milestone, if I could say that. It's just a, it's, a, it's been a big part of my life um, growing up. Right now I'm 24, and so it's kind of just been since adolescence on. And I think I've heard, I've read a lot of books, I've heard a lot of sermons, I've heard a lot of talks on it. But I think a lot of times people are talking uh, about it and haven't necessarily experienced it the way that women currently right. are experiencing it, you know, in the in the cultural climate that we're experiencing it. Um, and so sometimes people are talking and they've not really done it the way that it's being done now. They don't really have a point of reference for it, and they're kind of throwing out all these anecdotes and tips and things that are sort of sometimes more hurtful than helpful. And so I think whenever I get the chance to sort of dispel a myth or bring some light onto what it's actually like for a single millennial woman, I'm always really like, hey, if my journey can help you, I would I would love for it to do that. You don't have to necessarily go through the same things that I went through, but I hope that you can benefit from the wisdom of the bot lessons that I have. So, Oh, man, I can totally relate. Definitely. I'm so grateful that you are accessible. And even at 24, and I don't think at 24 I had the wherewithal of being so open. Um, I think I was definitely, well, I was 24. I was I had graduated already. I found myself um, moving back home. And I think there was just a lot of emotional intelligence I was still developing around singleness. But I, I still think I had an exterior of being very confident in my singleness. And uh, it's been a journey. So, about that journey, right? Like, could you unpack for us what moment in your single journey so far has been the most extra single moment? Meaning, what was the moment in your life that you felt like, gosh, like, I'm actually single. Like, this is not, you know, everyone everyone is born single. Everyone's born individual. <laughs> but, like, there's a moment. Some some people, it's middle school. Some people, it's high school. Some people, it's it's college or after. When was that moment for you? Well, okay, so I think for me, I've, like, wanted to be married as long as I've been alive. So I think I've kind of <laughs> carried, <laughs> yeah, that was my life, that was me. It's like, I love you, yeah, anyway. So I think I've sort of carried the awareness of it. I think there have been times where it was just, like, the longing and the reality just were so much more pronounced that it was hard. So one time that I, I can just, I still see it in my brain as clearly as it happened yesterday, like it happened yesterday anyway, um, was a time in school, in college. I was on the elevator um, at UF going up 14 floors, and I was on the elevator after class with this couple, and I was already kind of not in the best space. Um, yeah. emotionally, mostly about being single, but then I was on the elevator with this couple that were just really, like, huggy-kissy, hand-holdy, and I'm just sort of, like, <laughs> watching them. It's, like, knife-turning in your heart, you know, and um, I was just really frustrated. I was really frustrated because I wanted that. I wanted a relationship, um, and here I was at the school where there are, like, over 50,000 people, and, oh, my gosh, how am I still single? Jesus, there are so many people here. Are you seriously telling me my future husband is not here. How is, how is that possible? I don't understand, you know. Um, <laughs> so that was a moment for me where I felt really extra single, and it was really hard because I felt like my, my desire and longing for marriage was so high and intense and also just the, the chasm between what I wanted and, and what I didn't have at that moment was, was just really hard, and I just felt it really, really hard in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, college can be... College can shake you, right? Because at, at, at the moment that you realize that there are so many people that you're crossing paths with <laughs> at that point of your life and you're still single, you're like, yes. wait, what? wait, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. So I can totally yeah. relate. 
with that. Um, take us to the moment in time in the past of any other thought patterns you had while being single and any uh, contrasting aha moments that you had for those thought patterns. Some of those thought patterns could be things that made you, I think, are reflective of being immature, right? Because I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of us can own, there's immaturity when you're single and you're in high school, even while you're single and college. And sometimes it can be carried over if you don't ever address them into your adult womanhood, right? And you think that your validation is from having a relationship. So that was that would be one easy one, let's say, right? But what's one of those thought patterns that you've had or several and some aha moments that you've had along your journey? I definitely think one of the big ones for me was I'm sort of a type type A personality, and so I kind of like to see a goal in mind and, like, hit a target. And I think yeah. one of the things I had to learn about singleness um, is sort of this lesson of contentment, but also, like, that being – there are times when I'm super okay with being single, totally fine, don't care, this is great, I can come and go, it's awesome. And then there are times where I'm like, I hate it. Why am I single? Where is my husband? You know, and I used to hate those down moments. I used to hate those those stretches of time because it, it was almost like, okay, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm okay, and then it's like falling off the wagon when I'm not okay. And it felt like such a like, when am I going to get to this point where I'm always okay? Because I think, in especially among singles and especially in the body of Christ, people kind of throw out all of these these myths like, hey. You know, when you don't want it, God will bring someone along. When you're not worried about it, when you get busy about this, oh God will bring God. Pause <laughs> and just repeat that. Just repeat that because that is so true. Go ahead. Yeah, so people always say there's so many myths. There's so many myths. Like, you know, when, um, you know, when you're not worried about it, when you're really thinking about it, you're going to run across someone or, hey, you know, marriage is cool or whatever, but you should really just, and they just sort of downplay the desire or tell you, like, this is how it will happen for you or that's how it will happen. You don't want it. You least expect it. And, you know, um, or when you're content, then God can finally bring your husband. And um, it took a while for me to learn that contentment is a journey. It is absolutely not a destination. Um, and And that kind of came with me being okay with the ebb and flow of feeling okay or not okay about being single and knowing that God was not like, oh, she fell off, we got to start over, go back to start, you know, because um, it was sort of like a benchmark for me, like, okay, well, once I get content enough, then then I'll be worthy of God can send my husband or whatever. Um, and it really just took renewing my mind <laughs> to God kind of being like, you know, ebb and flow is life. You know, contentment is a journey, and it is the discipline. It's something that you, it's a skill that you exercise. It's not like this state of being, like, all of a sudden, I don't want to be married anymore, like, no, my desire for marriage is God-given, and I believe it's integral to my calling. So it's not going to go away. It's just learning how to master your appetite and learning how to move and maneuver skillfully through being single because you're a human being. You've got biology. You've got emotions. You've got all those things at play. Um, and so God completely understands that there's going to be an ebb and flow. That's, that's, that's how life is. So that was a big lesson um, for me. The other one – sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to add to that. You know, funny thing is, is even in hearing you say some of those myths, I mean, they kind of trigger not only some of my own thought patterns, but some of my aha moments and my uh, my disgruntled attitude towards those myths. So, for example, those same myths, they almost feel like they almost feel like. Um, 
what's the best word? They almost feel like uh, someone clapping back, like someone teasing oh, yeah. you or someone, mm-hmm. someone, mm-hmm. someone, it's like a, it feels it's not, oh my gosh, it, I can't figure out the right word, but it almost is like when you hear someone say when you least expect it, well, what are you saying? Am I expecting it too much? You know, yeah. or when you're more content, am I discontent? Like, is that on my face? Do you, yeah. do you feel like everything in my life is gravitating towards marriage? I don't think so. Like, I think a lot of women, I think we all carry a, form, a little bit of anger at people giving us these cheap one-line answers yeah. or mm-hmm. these formulas that we think are going, especially spiritual ones, right, especially in the church. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. One line answers, sermon punchlines, uh, these these themes from certain books that came out yep. back in the early 2000s that yep. we think that is going to work for everyone. And I just, I swear, I mean, that can be so heartbreaking because yep. we want to, I think a lot of women, especially traditional women of faith, I think we want the validation of being married. We want to do it the right way. So mm-hmm. when we feel sincere about wanting to get married and looking to have conversations with people we trust and we hear these one-liners to a degree somewhere in our journey we might say okay well that's what I'm going to do right so you try to not expect it right you try to do things in your life to not show you're expecting it yeah. or you try to do things in your life to be more content you pray more right you read your bible more or you or you uh try to you know find every little thing to be grateful for and then What's insensitive is, you know, two, three, four years go by and you hear the same thing and you're like, wait, but I crossed the bridge. I think. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard because I think people become, and you're 24, so I feel like, you know, of course, I'm not saying this to diminish your struggle or your journey. I'm saying, like, at 30, like, you still hear these things, you want to roll your eyes, and that's where you, like, do the heart search of, like, man, have grace on everyone and what they say, because at the end of the day, I've come to find, like, people don't know the answer. They don't have an answer. Yeah. You know, like, they're just going to tell you something to placate your moment of insanity or your moment of fear, and uh, they just want to help. They're they're very well-meaning people. Yeah. Um, and they're going to tell you what worked for them, and you're going to have to process. I've learned that I, I have got to process their information as, hey, this is what worked for me. Does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, I think I didn't Sorry, cut you off. Were you in the middle of saying something else, another aha moment? Yeah, I was going to have another mm, another aha moment for me. Oh, there's an actually. Okay, so I have two other aha moments. Do we have time for two others? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So the first one, um, or second, I guess, in stream of things. The second one was coming up for me. I've kind of, I, I'm really, I've just known kind of what I want. And so for high, for me in high school to be single, it was okay because I didn't see anything that I wanted. It wasn't like there was anybody around me that I thought, yes, you, I want you, you're godly. I just didn't see that maturity around the people that I was around, or men anyway. Um, when I got to college, however, I was like, okay, this is a bigger pool, you know, this is a bigger pool, more fish. Um, but I, I didn't necessarily have the backlog of doing this whole relationship brokering thing, right? So I didn't know what it looked like to be pursued. Um, and so there was, I would just be like, well, he, you know, he stares at me all the time. Is he just not going to talk? And I, it took me learning kind of how men are that, like, when a man is truly interested, 
um, that he will make an effort. Um, and so there were all these sort of mental, emotional sort of like, does he like me? Does he not like me? Is he into me? Is he not into me? And he said hello, and he talked to me for a while, and he stares all the time. Like, I'm I'm just the queen of getting people that stare and don't speak, and that used to frustrate me so much. And I would give so much <laughs> mental energy to it, like, well, maybe I need to say hi again. Or maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. When in reality, it was like, no, I just, he's just not that into you. It's okay, you know. Or it was someone that was just unrenewed and was, like, cool with staring and was like, that's it. I got what I wanted. I'm good. I'm not going to pursue you. I'm not interested in you. So it took sort of me learning, like, there are very little reasons. There's very few excuses for a man not giving effort other than he's not that interested. Um, so it was an aha moment for me to kind of be like, this is what pursuit looks like. Give no further time to something that's less than this, you know. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Completely uh, church clap to that. For sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I like that you call it relationship brokering because that, in fact, is probably the best, one of the best accurate descriptions of this whole dance we do with attraction. You know, it's like mm-hmm. how you know how it all starts. And it kind of goes back to one of the questions I try to throw out to anybody who was willing to be interviewed for the Secure Single Woman course is, um, you know, using your term, relationship brokering, not everyone has the upbringing of guidance from parents about that concept, right? Like Mm -hmm. my older brother, I'm 31, my older brother is 33. We had a very adult conversation about a year or two ago where we, and he started opening up to me as a male about how he never got a conversation from our father about how he Mm -hmm. met our mom. He never Mm -hmm. had a conversation about dating. He never had a conversation about how to treat women. And so it was interesting because even even in hearing that, I was, like, reminded of all the times when I was younger, I would watch my parents' wedding videos. I might watch them celebrate their anniversary, but I never knew how they met. And what I mean by that is not that I didn't know where they met. Uh, my parents are from Jamaica. They went to college together. But I didn't know details that over time you think would get spelt out as you grow older about how they met, right, like who said what. How yeah. did he look at you? Did he write a letter? Did he talk to your parents? How did you guys, you know, where did you guys go to date? You know, what did you guys talk about? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of life gets spelt out with parents, with guidance, yeah. with mentors. Yeah. If you don't get it from your parents, maybe you get it from a surrogate parent. If you don't get it from a surrogate parent, you might get it from a mentor. You might get it from a pastor. You might get it from a leader. You might even get it from a really good friend. But not everyone gets it. And I think one of the reasons why I started or ventured into creating a blog about singleness is because there's so many voices that uh, actually no, what I'm trying to say there's not many voices talking about how to date. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you might hear, I think there's sometimes where if you're from a spiritual community standpoint, from a church context, if everyone in, if the majority of your church is married or if the majority of your church uh, or your friends got married at really early ages, maybe after high school or in college or right after college, but there's not much, and there's there's sort of a social, unspoken expectation that you're just going to figure it out. You might not get as much guidance. You might get a lot of guidance though about marriage itself, about parenting, right? But mm-hmm. there might be not as much around where to find guys or where to find young women, right? Or where to find or how to date, you know. So it's one of those things where I feel like there is a void to to, to yeah. building communication around, you know, the single experience. 
and and not, not just in the whole dating sphere, but also in the, the, the self-love sphere. Like, what do you do with life yourself? So mm-hmm. I appreciate you talking about that because that's a really, really hefty aha moment, relationship brokering, and knowing that there is a sort of a threshold of when you actually know some guy is interested in you. And when he's not, when he doesn't meet that, just you can toss him. So right, right. Was yeah. There, was there a third one, a third aha? There was. I forgot it. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, I hate that. I'm sorry. It's okay. It might come back. No problem. So the, the next question then is, what's one of the things that you think it takes, like the thing maybe? Maybe it's the thing that you'd be on a soapbox about, right? The thing that you think it takes to be secure and healthy while single? I think, honestly, there, there are two. The first one I would say would be self-awareness. Um, yeah. And then the second one I would I would say right on the heels of that is to know that life is just a bunch of seasons smushed together. Um, so with the life first is just one, a bunch of seasons? Did you say that? Seasons smushed together. Mm-hmm. Life is just a bunch of seasons smushed together. Um, and, in, and in that, it's kind of like um, – where you are now is a season, there was a beginning, there will be an end. Whether that means you'll get married, whether that means you kind of pass away and die single, I don't really know. But life is just a bunch of seasons smushed together. And so with that, um, things will come and go. And and where you are is not forever. It's never forever. It's just for a season. Um, and I think that sort of helps sort of bring it down to a granular level that where I am now is not going to be forever. I won't always be, you know, 24 or a teacher, life is just going to go through transitions and transitions. I think sometimes, like, we're talking spiritually, the enemy will tell us this is forever. And we kind of see this long stretch in our mind, and it's like, I can't do this forever, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. You kind of run your race, putting one foot in front of the other. Like, today is today. Tomorrow will be tomorrow when I get there, you know. I think it's, it's a lot more um, digestible. It's a lot more digestible, and you kind of have this focus on, I think I do really imagine it sort of as a runner. A runner can't think about the finish line. They kind of have to be monitoring their body where they are in their race right now. And so it's this foot, this foot, okay, do I need to slow my pacing down? All of their all of their energy kind of goes to where they are and they invest that in, all right, this is the step that I have to take to take the next step. This is the next breath I've got to take. Okay, I see my muscles are tensing up. Let me shift my weight. You know, you're kind of here in the moment accomplishing your task because if you think about the finish line, you're, you're not going to get there. You're, you're beat before you've begun. Um, and so knowing kind of this is the season that you're in and mastering that. Um, that's cool, actually. That's really good. <laughs> with um, self-awareness, I think this is a big thing just generally across people groups. So the longer that I live, the more that I'm – and I'm, I'm a counselor, so I went through – I'm kind of introspective naturally, but even more so since uh, getting my master's in counseling. Uh, I'm realizing how many people are not self-aware. And in that, they kind of don't know why they do what they do, why they feel the way that they feel, how they've gotten to this point in life, and they yeah. just kind of are existing. And um, and all of that is, is important information. So in college, I really felt like the Lord took me sort of under myself, kind of like, like, hey, let's see what's underneath the surface and why we are the way that we are. And I was really able to examine the negative thought patterns. I was really able to find out why I kept getting pulled into this thing with guys that stare or, you know, going back even further in my history to kind of understand why I am the way that I am. And it, it brought me to this place of fruitfulness in my relationship with the Lord and being able to be honest with myself and then with him to sort of actually deal with what was there. 
And I think um, a lot of singles are just trying to get married <laughs> without really knowing themselves, not knowing why yeah. they are the way that they are, what they actually like, what they actually don't like, what do you actually want, not just what you've seen, but what do you want. Is, is there more available to you than what you've seen? Um, and just taking the time to really understand themselves and understand what their call is and understand what their bent is and what their passions are um, to be a whole person. So I think right. really it takes that awareness and that commitment to becoming whole to be a secure single. Beautiful, beautifully put. I love it. I love it. So the next 10 minutes, what I want to do is kind of have a rapid fire uh, rounds with you. Is that, is that all right? Sure. So these are just kind of like easy questions for us to get to know you and just like your thoughts on like what women need to know, right? So what do single women need to know? Best piece of advice you ever heard about attraction in men? <laughs> it's going to sound weird. But um, my mom always says to me, Prince Charming is like your brother. Um, and that's weird. Oh. But it's helpful because I think sometimes we can have like a Pinterest idea of men and like our romantic comedies idea of men. Um, but in reality, they're humans and they're like your brother. They are living with them. It's going to be like living with your brother. The toilet seat is forever up. They're gross sometimes. Or maybe they're meticulous, but just sort of thinking through the humanness of men. I think that has been really helpful for me when I'm like, I just want to be married. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I love it. Number two, best piece of advice you've ever heard about beauty? Hmm. I don't know that I've heard this, but I, I think this a lot that um, beauty is like, or comparatively, it's like trying to compare like an apple to a watermelon. They're not the same thing. Um, so it's best to kind of appreciate each one the way that it is because you can't really compare them. There are, there are no notes on comparing the two. They're not the same. So I think that's been really helpful when I feel like, oh, she's prettier or she's got so much. It's like, yeah, but everyone's got their own individual beauty and relish in that. Hmm, I love it. I love it. I love it. Best piece of advice you've ever heard on dating, just in general, like dating, so kind mm -hmm. of dealing with that beginning stage and then in the middle, whatever. Yeah. I think the best advice that I've heard is to be um, be honest and be organic. Um, mm -hmm. And I think in my little bit of experience dating, the be honest part is really important. Um, just kind of being upfront about where you are. I found that most people are not in the dating process. I did not know that. So I'm like really upfront and like, hey, this is how I feel today. I'm not sure if I'm going to feel that way a week from now, but can we just deal in today and take baby steps? And then I think sometimes people put – rules on what's appropriate at what point and do this and do that and it's like all this formula again but I think hearing people say like no just flow with the organic development of a relationship has been helpful and freeing to me yeah yeah yep 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 for sure number four best piece of advice you ever heard on happiness mm -hmm. happiness is an inside job I love that quote I've found it to be more and more true the longer that I live Gotcha. I've heard that too. Uh, number five, best thing people can do to love themselves. Mm. Discover what God loves about you because in my experience, he totally helps you fall in love with yourself. For sure. Agreed. Number six, best song, quote, poem, or Bible verse that cheers you up. Okay, so this one I want to say is probably really well known among singles, but it's a poem by this poet. Her name is Genetics. And it's called I Will Wait For You. That is such a good refocuser, um, sobering up kind of piece. It's really good. Mm, I think I know what you're talking about. Passion for Christ mm -hmm. movement? Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Gotcha. Number seven, what book would you recommend to the She Ventures tribe and why? Specifically those who are single. Okay, so I have two. My first is called Single, Sassy, and Satisfied, and I think it's by Michelle McKinney. I think I read that, like, 19 years old, yeah. Yeah, so good. I kind of judge the cover because I'm not one of those people that, like, wear tons of makeup or even really wears makeup, and she just looks like a frilly girl, frilly woman. I was like, oh, that's not really me. I don't know if this can pull. No, Homegirl Brings the Truth. She brings so much fire. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. And it's really good, and it's like these little sort of sections and chapters. And I feel like she addresses kind of holistically the, the issue about being single. So it's not just you as a single. It's you as a single dealing with you, spirit, soul, body, but also really some natural sort of tips and, and wisdom as well as the dating process and the falling in love process. And she's really, really real, and she's there. Like, she's knee-deep in it. I don't know if she's married now, but when she wrote it, she was knee-deep in being single. So I feel like it was good, practical, like, girl, girlfriends in the Crouch and Coffee Talk. Um, love it. The other book that I love, love, love is called Living Single by Tony Evans. And it's a really small mm. book. But Tony Evans is just masterful at being practical and down to earth and shooting you straight. And he just does that in a way that I don't know that I've really read other books where men especially are able to kind of give you a sober, eternal perspective, but not make you feel belittled for wanting to be married. Right. That's a good balance and it's attention. Yeah. 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 I've mm-hmm. had, I think I've had um, a lot of moments, um, male figures male spiritual leaders where I feel like they are constantly putting in, uh, not intentionally, but I feel like wrong for wanting to be married yesterday because, (laughs) you know, what if God wants you to be married when you're 40? And it's like WTF. Like, no, you say that to your daughter. (laughs) Do you want your daughters to be married at 40? Like, I don't think that they, they raised your daughter to be married at 40. So why would you pitch that to me? You know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I'm probably going to look at that. I think I saw that book. I'm not even sure. Do I have it? I might. I'm not even sure. But Tony Evans is classic. That's mm-hmm. good. He's good. He's good. So here for our grand finale, Alan Loeb wrote a movie called Collateral Beauty. He actually tanked at the movie theaters, unfortunately. Um, but I saw it in stars Will Smith, and it, it has an interesting not novel assertion about navigating grief and pain and heartache. And Mm -hmm. it's on this one concept of in the moment of your grief, make sure you notice the collateral beauty around you, right? Mm -hmm. And so not to make singleness um, uh, a journey that parallels death or pain or grief, but there is (laughs) heartache in singleness. And Mm -hmm. what I would want to know as a parting comment from you is what would you say is the main collateral beauty you've seen in your own singleness? Um, so this has been a big one for me on sort of this journey to journey of contentment. I think there is uncapped potential for freedom, flexibility, and adventure in singleness. Um, my mom has a phrase that she uses with me that I've definitely adopted, and it's go see do. Um, so I feel like in singleness, even though it's sort of, it has its, its sort of difficult pockets, um, there is a lot of freedom. I am able to decide that I want to be a teacher one year and want to be a mental health professional next year or that I could really honestly just pick up and move and go where I want to go right now. Um, 
I have that flexibility, I have that freedom. I'm not really running my decisions through a family or a husband, a spouse. I've got to consider his, you know, there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of opportunity for flexibility. And then I think there's so much room for adventure. I feel like I feel like in singleness I've had the ability to discover myself and to really expand the borders right. of what I know about myself. And so I love travel. I was able to go on a trip to Europe a couple of years ago. I'm going to Uganda in May. I'm trying different foods. Um, hey, do I like theater? I never thought I love, you know, a musical as much as I love Hamilton. Or this is a good book. I want to get into this more. There's so much room for adventure, um, I think, in singleness. So that would be the uh, the collateral beauty. I have uncapped potential for freedom, flexibility, and adventure. Perfect. All right. Jalon, thank you so much again for doing this interview. I am all smiles, and I have thoroughly enjoyed everything you shared. I'm really appreciative for your time. Do you want to tell us again where we can reach your material and your coaching services? Of course. So you can find me at jalonmarks.com, G-I-L-O-N-M-A-R-T-S dot com, and you can get in touch with me over blogging, any sort of coaching services. I've got some videos that I share on the beautiful community page posted there as well. So come check me out. Drop a line. Say hi. I'd love to hear from you. All right. I will definitely be checking out a beautiful community in jalonmarks.com. So thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Bye.